Hi, I'm Mitch. Hi, I'm Laura. And I'm Jim, and this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet you can hear topics discussed. Mitch, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? Yeah, I've got a, a YouTube channel called Jan Misely, lowercase Jan, capital Misely. I do whatever there. It's There's not really a theme. It's just I, I make videos sometimes, and some people like them. I sometimes like them. That's good. Uh, and Laura, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? Yeah, uh, my name is Laura Mache. I make video games f- for a living, uh, and I actually have nothing to plug right now. Um, I will plug uh, my recent... Accomp- actually, yeah. So I recently collected all 905 Pokemon, so now I have I Whoa. have finally caught them all after like 25 years. So yeah, I'm plugging myself in that life that's, accomplishment. That's so many. Thank you. They still don't have a thousand... They're they're getting there. S S M H. I, I feel like they're avoiding actually reaching a thousand because the Pokedex number is canonically exactly three digits long, and they don't know what to do when they run out of space with those oh, three digits. Oh no, they can go into hex. It's like the Y two K problem, but with Pokemon. Yeah, they can go into seximal. That's it. That's they're gonna have to switch bases. That sounds like a name for like a competitor animal collection IP that is rated R. <laughs> Seximals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, I should plug Seximal.net, my website dedicated to Seximal. It's a that's a real URL that you can go to. <laughs> do they, they do they charge you extra for that because they think it's porn? If it was .com, people would have thought it was porn, but it's .net, so it's legitimate. Yeah, it's free range porn. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's it it's a legitimate educational resource that I haven't updated in like three years. That's fair. I'm going there on my phone now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give us give us your first impression. I gotta I gotta jack into the online. Jack into the mainframe. Yeah, seximal.net. That's the, that's the URL. Yeah. Oh, it auto completed. People must be going there all the time. <laughs> oh, this is phenomenal. I like this. I like how aggro this site is. It begins by saying, <laughs> "Seximal is objectively the best way to represent numbers," and I will fight you on this. And will is capitalized. <laughs> It's true. I will. I, I. 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 And I have. Yeah. Are we? Are we talking about like chess boxing? Uh. Yeah. Mo- mo- mostly your spirited internet debate type thing. Uh. And it is mostly okay, against okay. dozenalists who are like the most like <laughs> vocal base supporters who are like, no, we. Oh, everything would be so great if we used base twelve instead of base ten. And I'm like, hey, there, there's another. There's another option that's better than both of those. If you if you just step down to a half dozen, works even better. I see that there's a form here for submitting feedback on your site, but I'm afraid to use it because if I have any contradictory feedback, you'll fight me. Yeah, if you get if you provide me like with your contact info, then I use that to come and fight you. That's how that works. I see. I'm looking at the f- finger counting page, and it's real, real interesting. I had never before considered that when I'm counting things with my right hand, that my left hand is being wasted. <laughs> right yeah like you can use your two hands as the two digits like this is something that like in the nba they use for like shirt numbers where the digits on a shirt number in like college basketball are only allowed to be digits zero through five so that way the referee can use both hands to display the two digits of the shirt number it's it's using base six yeah i was taught when i was i don't know early uh, probably a tween uh a, a system where uh, the thumb counts as five, and so you can represent zero through nine on either hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can you can count up to a to up to ninety nine on two hands. And I, I, I still use that to, to this day. Very convenient. Not, yeah, yeah. I, I just like the elegance of having like each hand be one digit. Like 
Yeah. It, it, it just feels like a, a really elegant thing to try to do. Um, and very few, like, actual, like, natural languages ended up doing that as, like, like it's so much more common to have settled on base 10. Uh, but there are a handful in, like, Papua New Guinea that use base 6 instead. Uh, it is extremely rare, but also extremely cool. I should go hang out with those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's the, the yam languages in Papua New Guinea. Next time you're on the show, Mitch, maybe you could invite one of them to be the other guest. We should, yeah. We could spend the entire time talking about how to count on your hands. Mm-hmm. We could definitely come up with, with uh, a half a dozen counting on hands topics. That would be incredible. <laughs> There's so many. Oh, the the thing where every every finger represents one power of two, and then you can go all the way up to two of the ten in both hands. It's very uh, <laughs> right. There, there you go. There's a topic. The other another topic could be that shirt that where on the front of the shirt it's someone giving you the finger, and on the back of the shirt it's how to count up to ba- up to sixteen in base two on your fingers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because with a system like that, you might be forced into like. What what is the number represented by giving somebody the bird with both hands? Do we know what number that is? I, I do not uh, off the top okay. of my head. No. Let, let's see. Okay, starting from right to left, it would be one, two, four, eight, sixteen, thirty-two, six. It's one twenty-eight plus four, so it's. Okay. Uh, oh no! Yeah. I have to do the math in my head. One hundred thirty-two. Yeah. So does that mean one hundred thirty-two is the most Boston number? I think so. <laughs> I think that's correct. I think that's exactly okay. what that means. Got it. Are we ready to start on some topics? Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm ready. Uh, Laura, your topic is what vehicle would you use to get around in the post-apocalypse? Are we talking live animals, ice vehicles, b- bikes, skis, etc.? Why did you choose this? Yeah, specifically, sorry, I, sh- I should have written it out more. I- ICE here means internal combustion engine. So are, are you using uh, a live animal? Are you using okay. something with an engine that requires fuel? Are you using... The noble bike. Obviously, this depends on what type of apocalypse we're dealing with, right? Like, yeah. are we talking a water world situation? Are we dealing with an air world situation, which is where the entire world is covered with air, which is like how it is currently, sort of, but worse, I guess, in some way? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm curious to, to see how you fold that into your answer as well. Mm-hmm. So obviously... It, you use com- internal combustion engine vehicles until the gas goes bad, because what else are you going to do with them? Like after what right, six right. months, you can't use them anymore. So get get that shit done. You gotta use your you, just drive in circles if you gotta. You gotta spend that gas. I think if we're in like a zombie apocalypse scenario, right? Like the classic zombie apocalypse where there's just zombies everywhere. What you can do is you can set up like a a sled that's pulled by zombies, like if you can domesticate them. And zombies, they're undead, so they're they're like fine. They're not gonna like run out of power or anything as long as you give them like whatever their their uh, source of brains is. So like I feel like that's the way to go if you're if just fully rely on zombie power. Yeah, that's renewable. Exactly. I would say that falls under. I guess it's not live animals, is it? It's, it's undead, undead animals. Not really animals. <laughs> yeah. New category. Or bikes. Bikes are pretty good. Yeah. I would love an apocalypse where I could just bike around. You know, like mm-hmm. after the six month period, all the cars are gone. So car centric infrastructure is over. Uh, I guess my right. one question would be if cars are gone, then we're probably not making gasoline. So we don't have synthetic rubber, right? So what are mm-hmm. we making the tires out of? Um, mm hmm. 
But once we solve the tire problem, then we're good to go. And I, I think the tire problem is very solvable. Just use paper mache or something, you know? Just like tree sap. Well, There's I think so many in, materials. Yeah, on, on some surfaces you could even do like like real old school shit. You could probably do like wooden or metal wheels even depending on the surface mm-hmm. that you're riding on. Oh, yeah. I mean, all you need to do is re- reinvent the wheel and then use that. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, we're, we're remodifying the wheel here. But right, yeah, right. my ideal my ideal post apocalypse would be one where I can bike anywhere. But um, if mm. I'm if I'm thinking realistically, I I gotta embrace live animals, right? Because they're so much more efficient. All they need is to eat. Mm-hmm. In most cases, grass, right? Because we're probably doing horses. But what if it's an apocalypse where the grass is gone? That that's how they got us. Or where horses are mean, right? Like there oh, are no couple- <laughs> the mean horses. The mean horse scenario. That's uh that would, that would be horrible. The scenario where horses destroy society by kicking down everything with their powerful legs is one where (sighs) we cannot use horses. But I think in the vast majority of post-apocalypses, I got to become a horseback rider, which I've uh, carefully avoided doing for all my life. But I I recently did ride a horse for the first time as an adult, and it was fantastic. So, I mean, I think I could handle it. Really? It was, you didn't didn't get like seriously injured? You didn't get like your neck broken or anything? No, I was- that's what I always assume happens if you get on a horse. I assumed that was going to happen to me too because I'm very frightened of heights and horses. It turns out are extremely tall. Uh, yeah, I had this hadn't occurred to me, but uh, I went uh, horseback riding near Seattle with some friends, and uh, we went like up and down a mountain on horses for like for like I don't know over two. That's hours. even t- even taller. Yeah, it was very frightening, but like the horses were smart as shit and. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, purpose built for climbing up and down this mountain. They were very talented, so I it it increased my uh, appreciation of of horses as a as a still relevant form of transportation. When when the Definitely. cars go and we get sick of bumping our asses on the metal bike wheels, then we're all going to have to jump on horses and and get around that way. Uh, side note: Did did you know horses don't have legs? They have like fingers, right? Yeah. The thing we call their legs are technically fingers. Yeah. Pretty cool, right? Now imagine if you had to walk on your fingers. Like, linguistically, obviously, we call them legs. They function as legs. It's not wrong to say that horses have legs, but strictly speaking. So do they Do they have, like, internal muscles that are just, in t- that are, like, really short and not really used that equate to what the muscles and bones that we have in our legs. Like the hooves are technically fingernails, right? It's they have right. the the limbs that they do have. They're just they're just, they're just very long fingers. Like that, it, they, they they like have these really stubby arm quote unquote things that just have one big finger that extends from there. Yeah. Okay. I'll buy it. And I guess the first joint of their finger is like their quote-unquote ankle and the bit that the hoof is attached to, right? Yeah. It's a knuckle. Yeah. So imagine if the tip of your finger was very short and then the first section of your finger after the tip was, honestly, God, like four feet long and that you could kill someone with it. You could swing it at somebody and and murder them because they're very strong. That's horses. Yeah. Horses can like eat meat. They can survive hurricanes. Part of the reason I didn't ride a horse for many years is when I was quite small, a horse ate some of my hair, uh, which frightened me. Uh, yeah, um, Horses that can eat hair? Well, this one tried to. Okay. Uh, I was just tall enough that the top of my head stuck above the horse's stable, and uh, <laughs> and I was being babysat by somebody who 
needed to go to a horse stable for some reason. I forget why. And she was like, oh, it'll be fun. Come with us. Come see the horses. So I was leaning against what I thought was an empty stable. And uh, a horse walked up out of the darkness and ate a chunk of hair off the top of my head. It's pretty creepy. That's an incredible origin story. Yeah, that's what turned me into the horse hater, uh, a super villain <laughs> who, who fights horses. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, animals are just a very are a very robust answer in general because there are animals in every biome. Usually, there there's at least one that's big enough to ride, mm-hmm. and like they're they're adapted to that place. Like you could ride a dolphin if you're in the water. You could ride a polar bear. Imagine riding a bear. Honestly, just imagine. I'm imagining it. It'll be like World of Warcraft. It's less scary than a horse. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I, that is, bears bears are like. The thing about bears is they're the they're like these super powerful predators that'll kill anything. But also they're so cute, you know? Yeah. It's like cats. They're like they're really good at killing and they're adorable. Oh yeah, they should they should definitely breed bears that are as small as house cats. Ah, oh, that that's the dream. For the first couple generations though, you've got like a barn full of full-size bears and you're trying to get them to bone. And that's <laughs> that's a that's a chore, I bet. Someone, <laughs> they, they, someone would bears, do it, though. Bears hate fucking. <laughs> well, I mean, it's more that you've got to keep the horny bears under your control somehow. <laughs> right, right. And you've right, got to yeah. feed them and yeah. shovel their poop out of the the bear bone barn. Uh, mm-hmm. If anyone wants to try, they're welcome. Yeah, no, it'll, well, you'll be you'll be richly rewarded by society once you succeed in your creating your tiny bears. Mm-hmm. Like the the living teddy bear. That's the that that's the uh, that's the end game here. Are we ready for another topic? I am sure. Mitch, your topic is the Super Mario Wiki is a beacon that other fan wikis should look to for inspiration. So y'all know about the Super Mario Wiki. <laughs> this is I've I've been there. So the Super Mario Wiki is by pretty much any metric I can think of the single best fan wiki. Like they have such high editorial standards. They have the best navigation there like I, I don't think I've ever seen vandalism ever on the Super Mario Wiki and I like I, I use this website a lot whenever I'd have to look up information about anything related to the Super Mario franchise. Like it's a really, really well maintained wiki and it does a few specific things that I think every fan wiki should do. And I think the reason they're not doing it is because they don't know that the Super Mario Wiki is out there. So this is my p- this is my PSA to anyone who's like a moderator of some fan wiki. Um, so so I, I have uh, a loosely organized itemized list that I'm reading off from just the top of my head here. Uh, first of all, navigational stuff. Uh, the way everything is organized in the Super Mario Wiki is the most sensible way you could organize something for something like Mario. So the thing about the Mario franchise is that there isn't, like, a canon. Like, there isn't any sense of, like, which games matter more than which other games. Like, you know, people have some sort of informal sense of that, but there isn't, like, any real way to do that. So what they do is for any individual subject, they organize it by just which subseries in Mario that subject first appeared in, and then chronologically from there. So, like, the article about Waluigi starts by talking about Mario Tennis and then talks about his appearances in other games. Or, like, the article about Mario starts by talking about the Donkey Kong games, right? Like, they start with what's, what sub-franchise, what, sub what sub-series they originated in, talk about games within that series in chronological order, in, in order of release, and put those, the, those individual series in order of when this particular subject appeared in that series, 
and every wiki should do this. Like, I can't stand when I'm looking at a fan wiki and it's organized, like, in chronological order from the perspective of the character according to some unofficial timeline that you have to read the wiki style guide <laughs> to look up what it even is. Like, it makes no sense, but that's what every wiki does. Like, every uh, every other fan wiki I've seen has their own, like, internal order that has to be consistent across the whole thing. And it's like, no, just put it in order, in the order that's, like, in order of when this subject appeared in it. Like, it's... It, uh, it just makes so much more sense than the way anything else does it. Oh boy, thing, thing number two is the uh, ex- just the extreme high editorial standards in general. Like there's this uh, standard of accuracy and quality of writing that the Super Mario Wiki has that is like it is strictly encyclopedic and very well like sourced for everything to the point where, and this is a, a fun anecdote, uh, of, like. Several years ago, there was uh, the Super Mario Brothers Encyclopedia was released, which is like it's its official guide to the the Mario series that was you know actually published by Nintendo. Uh, the English version of the Super Mario Brothers Encyclopedia actually copied a lot of its information from the Super Mario Wiki in order to like instead of actually using an internal like translation for things. And after that happened, the Super Mario Wiki went back and renamed a lot of the things that the the English version of the Mario encyclopedia like stole those names from it just went and renamed those <laughs> to be better names basically out of spite, which is specifically because they're like, no, no, th- this is against our editorial standards. The stuff that's being, that's been like copied from, from our wiki into this other thing. We, so they just went back and gave them all better names, <laughs> which is such a power move. Oh man. And, and and also the the general like navigational stuff where like at the bottom of any article there's usually a template that has links to related articles in like here's a a bunch of links to everything from this specific game here's a link to every article about every type of goomba or whatever like and, and that's another thing that other wikis don't really do that much is have these navigational templates at the bottom of every article where you're like if there's another similar thing that you might be interested in, you don't have to click through the category page. It's just all linked there in this nice, easy to easy to read navigational template. So it's all just very good, and every wiki should do all of these things. So I was gonna talk about how it's a shame that this is on some the fan wiki aggregator pages that that hosts thousands and thousands and thousands of fan wikis and fills them with terrible ads. But it's not like it's apparently it's its own website. Yeah, it's in, it's in, it's independently hosted. Yeah, that's another cool Although thing I, about I it. I can't figure out anything about the person who's ac- person who actually hosts it. So the Super Mario Wiki uh, is part of a network called Niwa, the Nintendo Independent Wiki Alliance. Um, it's uh, th- it's the same network that like Bulbapedia, the the, the Pokemon Wiki, is part of. Basically, it's the it's this alliance of a bunch of different Nintendo wikis that are all independently hosted, and they all support each other through ads. And it's just very cool. And, and there's actually this page on like on Niwa, which is like their manifesto, uh, which is this brutal takedown of, of like fandom, like the website fandom, talking about how like the the way fandom is run is so antithetical to what fan culture actually is. Mm-hmm. And they're like they they have this mission statement of making sure that these fan communities are actually controlled by the fans and are run in a way that is actually convenient for people and actually presents things that people might want, which is yeah, it's so cool. Yeah, yeah, I I'm very happy, and, and of course that also means that since it's independently hosted, you don't have to worry about some startup 
going out of business and then the information is gone from the internet forever. Yeah, yeah. That's also so great. So I have Adblock installed. Do you know if this thing has ads? It uh, does. The Super Mario Wiki does have ads on it. Yeah, they're not intrusive okay. ads, though. They're just uh, off to the side banner ads. Uh, so, you know, yeah, it's that's fine. more that's, ads than Wikipedia, fine. It is what less it is. ads than a fandom wiki. Right. Yeah, I mean, when you find a great source of information, you just want to use it for everything. Mm-hmm. Like if I were to, you know, if I were to want to find out more about Seximal, I would hope that like maybe one of the Paper Mario games featured a character <laughs> based on this this counting system mm-hmm. that I could go re- then read about on their page. Or like there, there's actually like a Super Mario Wiki article about like the Berlin Wall because the Berlin yeah. Wall appeared in Mario is Missing and Mario Kart Tour. So it's like, hey, here's what the Berlin Wall is. And also, more importantly, it appears in Mario Kart Tour in this one race course. <laughs> if anything that appeared in that uh, Mario educational game, that was basically a Carmen Sandiego ripoff, right? Yeah, yeah. It was Lu- Luigi traveling around the world, got to find Mario, and, and you got to return all the artifacts and landmarks that so you could, Bowser you stole. You could totally find lots of like world geography, world culture stuff on the wiki. And if not, uh, someone should add it. Oh, no, they have all of it. Like, there's an article about, like, the like the navigational template for humans is mostly historical figures, which is very funny. Like, oh, yeah, uh-huh. here's Abraham Lincoln, famous Mario character. <laughs> right right alongside, like, Jimmy T from the WarioWare games. Right. I'm trying to remember now. So, a while ago, I found a um on on a war mario wiki i think it was it was it was like i think the page was called list of abilities in the mario series and mm-hmm. it was like every mario or mario spin-off game and every action you could take in those games <laughs> was just in this one huge list in alphabetical that, that order that sounds like a mario wiki thing and not super mario wiki so there's two of them right there's mario wiki which oh. is on fandom and then there's the super mario wiki which is the good one uh, and very annoyingly, the one on fandom has all the good SEO. But but Super Mario Wiki is on MarioWiki.com, unfortunately. Yeah, the one on MarioWiki. The one on MarioWiki.com is the Super Mario Wiki. That's the good one. Mario okay. Wiki is hosted by fandom and has all the good SEO. Like if you search for Mario Wiki, you get like that one, right. which is really a shame because the Super Mario Wiki is like exponentially better, like in most ways. <laughs> This is like one of the things that defines the modern internet is that the bad actors have the good SEO. Mm-hmm. One, one, of the, one thing that I've looked into recently, right? Um, so one of the biggest wikis on fandom is the Marvel wiki, right? The, the Marvel database. Um, and Marvel is like a really big fandom, right? Like I'm not a huge fan of Marvel stuff, but it, this is a huge fandom. A lot of people are really into Marvel. And the Marvel wiki on fandom is so bad. Like it is... I don't understand how anyone is able to use this and learn anything from it. Like the Marvel Wiki article about Peter Parker, right? Like the the article about Peter Parker, it's just, it's a list of every character who has ever had the name Peter Parker. And it's organized in the least intuitive way possible, which is by universe number, which is this arbitrary thing within (laughs) the Marvel universe. And it's, it's sorted by what number the universe is, not by like, order of appearance not like by like like the main like the main continuity peter parker is put at the top which okay good they do that but like after that it's just sorted by universe number and it's like 
And there's no information about any of them. You just have to click through the dedicated article about that specific Peter Parker. I mean, universe number is definitely the the most objective possible way to order a universe is by number. Yeah, but it's also the least intuitive. It doesn't mean anything to anyone who doesn't already know what all of these are, right? Listen, what's more important, being right or getting information across? That's it. That's, that's what it is. I can offer some insight here because like, I can't like fully talk about everything that I've done in this area, but I have worked in uh, creating collections of knowledge about fictional places for work, right? Mm-hmm. There, the way that characters work in Marvel is that the characters in the different universes are different people who have different lives and identities and histories, right? right? So if, if I'm trying to tell the story of a person's life and what they did, which is natural in a wiki about fictional characters and their life stories, then I would want to put those guys on different pages, particularly since the way that comic book storytelling works is that different authors are coming in and telling different stories about different versions of this guy, and they're putting them in different universes and different branding schemes, you know, so you've got like regular Peter Parker, but then you've got, what was it, ultimate people, Peter Parker, was it the ultimate universe that it was? The the more- there, There's a bunch of them. Edgy one, Yeah. So, like, if you're recording the stories of these people's lives, then you have to treat the different universe guys as different entities. They're different people in the universe. And so, yeah, they could create a different navigational framework for getting them or getting around them, right? Like, they could have a two-tier organizational system where they've got, like, the ultimate box, and then inside that box is all of the various universe Peter Parkers that appeared in that comic line, right? But on some level, they would still have to use the dumbass numbering system because that is the only identifying identity for the actual characters in the stories that Marvel has supplied them, right? Yeah. Like the universe number should be somewhere. It, it, yeah. it is like an identifying feature, right? Yeah, and I I can understand why a community would end up organizing them this way because these are the people who are like the evangelists for these stories, they know the most about them. So they pro- right, when right. they see the list of numbers, it's probably not as confusing to them as it is to a normal person. But I think that the problem here is just that <laughs> there's too many Peter Parkers and they got numbers right. as their only identifying feature. Like, the problem is the fiction. It's a problem with Marvel itself more than... Uh... Yeah. Only so far you can go when when the company is telling you, all right, six, 616 Peter did this. And you're like, okay, I guess so. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess if if you were trying to to write an article like uh, talking about everything Batman ever did, there are probably hundreds, if not thousands, of Batmans that are all different people in different universes, and you have to organize it somehow. Yeah, I just think look at the way the Super Mario Wiki does it. You know, put him in order of introduction. Right? What order did this character first? first appear in this universe. That's also only possible because they they don't have anything to do with one another, right? Like it's it's only possible because of the fiction and the way the fiction is set up. You could not organize information because they literally are separate universes. Yeah, you could not organize information about Captain America this way even if you wanted to, right? Because people would be like, "Well, who's Captain America? Where did he come from?" And if you started with like his first appearance and then didn't get into the like contemporary fiction that the fans know about and care about first, then they would be like, mm-hmm. I can't figure out his life story. So I think that, and then also if you look at the Super Mario Wiki on mobile, the navigational panes on the bottom of the page are really fucking obnoxious. They go on and on forever and ever, and it's very, very They redundant. do have a hide button next to it, at least. Well, when you when you drop it down, then you see all of them. So right, I'm looking at the Waluigi page. 
So now I'm seeing right, the right. word Mario maybe like 40 times, you know? I'm seeing every inf- yeah. every bit of information about every single game stacked on top of one another with no way to like select or filter. And part of the problem with wiki software in general is it doesn't contain a lot of like robust sort and filtering features that help you remove redundancy from pages like this, right? So Super Mario Wiki is trying hard. It's definitely got like a really good style guide, but I'd say that it there's there's a lot of pretty pretty obvious improvements here that I would want them to do. Like I would want uh well, see, the thing is that, like, people don't do this kind of, like, web development for free, but if you could figure out a way to, like, I don't know, let somebody just be, like, who appears in, in these games without seeing also, like, every mini game and every game and stuff like that. But yeah, it's it's a it's a wealth of information. There's so much stuff here. It is very comprehensive. That is the... And also, if you click on the individual, like, uh, header te- header things in the uh, navigational thing at the top. It does jump you to the individual section. Like it isn't like a. Like, oh, like, I'm, like I'm you, talking you, about the the navigational panes at the bottom of the page. Like when you click on oh, navigation, okay. if you're on mobile and you click on navigation, then you will get like I'm trying to figure it out. Scrolling at max speed on the phone, you're going to get like 10 seconds of scrolling, which is wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I do tend to only do like I, see. I I'm, I'm mostly using the desktop version, which it is the same amount of information. It's definitely not optimized for mobile at all, but it is like. Well, I think the site actually looks great on mobile. Like it does look good. It's, it, it it's, does. It does look good. It's just not made for mobile. I think the wealth of information is not intended for a smaller screen, right? Like their their template yeah. works well. Their colors work well. It's it's filling up my screen in an agreeable way. It's just that they want to tell there's, me there's that Mario, so Mario, Luigi, and Princess Peach are in Mario Party Star Rush, uh, and then I scroll down. I see. Mario, Luigi, Toad, Princess Peach are all in Mario Tennis Ultra Smash. And then five seconds away, Mario, Luigi, Princess Peach, Toad, Yoshi, Wario are all in Mario Party 10. It's this like redundant information that they are stuck using because the wiki software doesn't have like any any functionality to identify like, oh, Mario's in all of these games, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. It's uh, very cool to see the way that wikis organize their information because there's it's all entirely based on the fiction, right? Like, Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the front page of the Super Mario Wiki, games, characters, locations, items, allies, etc., etc., are like the main categories they have. And on one level, I can see like, oh yeah, they picked some really natural categories that are like really fit the material, you know. Um, but the thing mm-hmm. that's confusing for me is allies. <laughs> like, oh, what's the difference between a all, character all your and an ally? Mario allies, yeah. Yeah, but you what's know, the difference between all... a character and an ally in this universe? And like, this means <laughs> this means something really specific to this group of people, you know, like. <laughs> There's like an ontological difference between a character and an ally. Like some characters are not allies. <laughs> I, th- I think there's supposed to be a separate one that says enemies after allies and it's just not there. Oh, I see. No, enemies is there. You're right. Okay. Okay. There we go. Okay. That makes more sense. It's characters and subcategories of characters are allies and enemies. Yep. But they've also got allies and enemies as the subcategories displayed on the same level as characters, you know? Yeah, that is a little... Uh... And then species. This is exciting. What species exist in the world of Mario? That's a fun one because there's because Toad is a character, but also Toad is a species. So those are separate articles. Is it like Toad parentheses character, Toad parentheses species? Oh man, I don't know which one gets top billing. I'm gonna check. I'm there. Toad parentheses species. And what about Toad character though? Does that get a? So notable members of the Toad species does not start with Toad. It starts with Action Toad because it's alphabetical. <laughs> okay, so toad, so toad the character doesn't get parentheses. That's our that's our answer. Well, that's a 
That's a position of honor. This is the Toad. Yeah. See, I always kind of assumed that maybe there were many people called Toad, so it's interesting that they've assumed that this is all the same Toad. Mm-hmm. Or like Mario and Baby Mario have different articles, and there's actually like a style guide thing where they're like, hey, the Baby Mario article isn't for every single time Mario has been a baby. It's for the separate character who is named Baby Mario, which is very fun. Because there have been times when Mario has been shown as a baby, but he's not Baby Mario. Baby Mario never grows up. Right. There isn't a child Mario. There's Mario and there's Baby Mario, and they are two separate characters. And Baby Bowser is not the same as Bowser Jr., no, Baby Bowser is Bowser is a baby. Bowser Jr. is the, the child of Bowser and Shigeru Miyamoto. <laughs> so I'm reading about Super Mario Brothers Print World, which oh, was yeah. a Mario-themed printing program for home computers, allowing the player to print out artwork of various characters and elements from Super Mario Brothers 3 and Super Mario Land. Mm-hmm. It's a desktop publishing application. Yeah, they, they did a few of those. Yeah, that would let you supposedly make a magazine at home and then you'd become what like a it's it's for putting it's for throwing some images together and then printing them out yeah you could do like invitations to your bachelor party or something mm-hmm. at... or more realistically for your fifth birthday party <laughs> right. right so if i were creating the like the like tier of different concepts that forms up the like library of pages in this wiki under the moods mm-hmm. page i would definitely not do alphabetical I think everywhere where something is sorted alphabetically, it's a missed opportunity to do a, a better organizational system. Yeah, they should have done... So they, they even list the de- possible subcategories here. This is a list of moves, attacks, actions, abilities, spells, and techniques in the Mario franchise. So I want to see what all of the attacks are. I want to see all of the like the like verbs of violence that Mario can, can commit in the same place. And then when it comes to movement techniques, I want to see like... What are all of the butt pounds? Like, are there different forms of pounding your butt on the ground in Mario? Like, I know that's a thing that he does. But, like, do we have information about how, like, slamming his ass on the ground is different in one game versus another? That would be fascinating to me. There is a dedicated article about, okay, the ground pound, also known as the hit drop, pound the ground attack, bounce, butt bash, jump smash, smash attack, and butt stomp, formatted as ground hyphen pound in Super Mario 64 DS, also formatted as ground space pound, and also known as the spin jump in Paper Mario, is a move that has affected the Mario franchise dramatically. So there is a dedicated article that lists the different times Mario has attacked with his butt. This is a this is a thing here. Yeah, and they got it broken down by game. Right. So so they do do that. Yeah. It needs to have the table format where you can click on a column and sort by that. Like, I want to sort by character. I want to sort by game. Which characters can butt stomp in what games. What we need is like a four-dimensional table that has what character, what game, what ability. Be able to write in SQL queries. I don't know what wiki software this is because I don't remember any of that shit anymore, unfortunately. I used to know what all the common wiki softwares were, but I feel like I've seen this before. So this is definitely one that like they they didn't come up with, right? Like it's too nice for that. I think this is media wiki. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, these are really lightweight tools, right? Like part of the part of the reason why they are functional at all is the sheer quantity of unpaid labor that they have on hand to maintain these, you know? Like right, a lot right. of these softwares don't include any sorting or filtering tools or like 
automatic fill tools that would make it easier to maintain a huge body of data like this with a smaller number of people who maybe have like so so like the the I think the really impressive thing about this is the fact that like this is such a consistent body of work given like how big it is and how much like redundancy is in it and how much like mm-hmm. tiny little things need to be done to maintain it. What I really wish is that somebody would make wiki software that has like like this more I don't know a little more compact. Well, I I don't know what the official professional term would for it would be, but the more software like features, you know, where like you can define Mario as a character and then like that does things automatically to like the type of data that he has versus like the idea of a, of a butt pound or something, you know. You want it to be a normalized database. I want it to be a database, mm-hmm. yes. Then you can do some fun stuff that makes it easier to read. But for now, right, right, like have your whole classification of objects, properties, characters and all that stuff. Yeah. But like part of the reason that we have wikis instead of databases is because they're just easier to maintain and easier to learn how to use. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are we ready for another topic? Sure. Uh, So my topic is the the GTA San Andreas conversation system. Uh, And I realize I left a, a word out of that topic. It should have been the pedestrian conversation system because you don't, the the player doesn't have any of these conversations. This is what happens when I like I think what happens is that when two pedestrians physically bump into each other, like they're just walking down the sidewalk and they hit each other, they will square off and exchange uh some lines of dialogue chosen from their pool of dialogue and the format that it takes is that what that they will they will each say something that means hello. And then one person will ask the other one a question and the other one will give a, an affirmative or negative response, uh, regardless of whether it really fits the question. Uh, and then they will both say goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the one conversation went like this. Konnichiwa. Hi, guy. Have you ever had octopus for breakfast? Yeah. Do not be late for work. Take it easy, bro. <laughs> and <laughs> that's really good. <laughs> Another example. Hey, girl. Hey, have you played a lot of golf? I ain't got to it just yet. <laughs> Back to summons. <laughs> Stay low, <low-fu>. foo. And <laughs> they they have more um, cohesion than than it sounds like when I what I just said because like each character is in a, is done in a specific voice and each mm-hmm. character is written like in a specific voice. So they're only pulling from their own own pool of lines of dialogue. Yeah, I got the sense from the first one that one of those two characters might have been, let's say, a stereotype. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. But but because the personalities are so strong, it 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 works. It's very entertaining, and it kind of holds together as uh, like a loose simulacrum of a conversation. That's pretty cool. I've had the phrase "back to summons" stuck in my head for like twenty years <laughs> as like a a way to say goodbye. Back to summons. I like the idea that a conversation is just one person asking another person a question and the other person saying yes or no, and then they part ways. <laughs> yeah. That's all you need for, for yeah. a conversation between two random people on the street who are like just bumping into each other. Hello, hello, question, yes, goodbye, goodbye. That, that, yeah, that's a conversation. I think in my life, more conversations are either like, just like, hey, hey, or like, hello, or like even just like a nod or a hand wave right from each person, and mm-hmm. then a gulf a million miles wide, and then the other type of conversation that I have is like a Zoom call, you know? 
Like, there's nothing in yeah. the middle anymore. It's just either, like, like the most basic form or, like, a full conversation where, like, problems are being solved and people are, like, are, like, prefacing the, the discussion with, like, here's how my family's doing. And then you get into, like, the thing you're here to talk about. And then you talk for an hour and then you leave. You know, like, the the, the length of conversation that these characters are having no longer appears in my life if it ever did. I mean, same, right? But, like... It's very fun, that nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, it could be like how, you know how in, in, in the GTA games, a full day-night cycle is like half an hour. Oh, so if you expand it, yeah. Yeah, and, and like the city is uh, like a hundredth of the size of the actual city that it's modeled after in both axes. So this is the equivalent of like a, a three-hour long conversation between two people. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's just like on on a micro scale, you can tell. Oh, yeah, that's a conversation. Oh, yeah, that's a city block. Mm-hmm. See that that recontextualizes it because if we're thinking about it in terms of like the time scale that GTA takes place in, this is a very eventful conversation. In fact, there 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 there's pausing for a very long time to consider if it's a yes or no to have you eaten octopus or whatever the question was. <laughs> right for breakfast. For breakfast specifically, yes. What you need is to combine this with like the Nemesis system from from that Lord of the Rings game, where it's like they remember whether or not they've they've eaten an octopus, and that that comes up again later at this specific NPC, and it, it is able to dynamically <laughs> build into like a whole narrative for this character. Yeah, that sounds incredible. That and and the eating the octopus would be like one choice on the tech tree. Right. Right. Because later, when a different character asks if they've had octopus for lunch, they'd be able to consider their previous answer to that other question, and it'll they'll come up with a coherent response to it this time. Right. I'm obsessed with like the the kind of writing that games writers have to do all the time, where like it's just yeah, you here's here's a spreadsheet, come up with 500 ways to say hello. Yeah, it's pretty mm-hmm. brutal. <laughs> And on like well, it's it's especially brutal if you can't make jokes. One of the things right. I love about the 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 recent like circa 2015 reinvention of Hitman I, is just how fast and loose they play with the with all the barks. Where like they have to come up with like yeah, come up with 20 ways for the guard to say that you can't come in here wearing that particular outfit, and they have to come up with separate ones for each outfit. Mm-hmm. You know. Some of them are just, some of them are really funny. Like, come up with fucking 50 ways to say, please don't hit me in the head with that wrench. And you have to say it like, <laughs> in the, it has to be something that they can say while the wrench is being swung. So it has to be like, less, less than two seconds long. Mm-hmm. Luckily, you can have like, so many different categories of text in response to that and not all of them have to be funny just enough of them have to be funny so that you remember it right so like yeah exactly because if it's a joke every single time it's less funny yeah so that's true yeah the vast majority of the responses are probably just efforts probably just like people screaming and then oh that's true yeah some other subset of them are probably like things to say anytime i'm being attacked you know like like you (laughs) and you've got these like slowly funneling down categories of barks until you finally got like the jokes about the wrenches, and then maybe you only have to write like four of those, right? Um, so it makes right, it a yeah. little a little easier, but it's still brutal as shit. It's still really hard. One of my favorite dialogue systems in a video game is in the game Heaven's Vault, 
which is a very uh, text-heavy game. So, so Heaven's Vault is like a a game where there there's not really like a, a a traditional like branching narrative structure. There's like a big bucket of things that can happen, and each event has like a set of triggers that could lead to it happening. Like the game checks, hey, could does this event make sense to happen now? And if it does, it does. Um, so because of that system where it's not it, it's not like a branching conversation tree, it's like every character has a set of things they could say at any time, and the game's just checking what thing makes the most sense for them to say that they haven't said yet. Uh, what you end up with is this really dynamic system uh, that it is able to have like callbacks and like it takes into account like what information has already been revealed, what's what's a narratively satisfying thing or like, uh, which dialogue option means the end of the conversation and means this character is leaving now and you can't explore everything else they could have said. Uh, it, it just has a lot of real, real cool consequences to doing it through that approach. Yeah, that's a cool game. It's a very cool game. Everyone go play Heaven's Vault. That's, <laughs> that, that's my recommendation. Uh, by contrast, I'm, I'm thinking of another game in the Grand Theft Auto series. If you play Grand, Th- Grand Theft Auto 2, that game has this serious problem that like where they got a bunch of voice actors to read lines but they only wrote one kind of each line so you can be mugged by like 20 different people but they all say give me your wallet or Mm -hmm. if you like go too close to a pedestrian they all say hey i'm walking here and they but they but like but they got like 10 different actors to record these like probably 20 total lines for pedestrian <laughs> barks. And it seems like it's just such a, it really drives home what a waste of, they could have had each of these people say a different thing. Right. And, and then, but it really drives home that like having separate audio recordings, like 20 different audio recordings of the same words makes it feel more wasteful than if they just had like text appear on the screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the the performers are all performing the lines differently too, so you probably it probably ends up like really surfacing how how like little differentiation there is between the characters. Hey, I'm walking here. <laughs> I'm walking here? Are we hey, ready for another topic? I am walking here. <laughs> are we are we ready for another topic? Sure. Yeah. Uh so for this topic we're gonna be reading the poem Last Straw by George Starbuck. Uh who would like to read this poem? I think you picked it so you could read it, right? All right. I will read this poem, even though it has a word in it. I'm not sure how to pronounce. Uh, I have no time for banter, sir. I am an ancient mariner. My ship went down. I caused its loss. They tied me to an albatross. It is a big pelagic bird, quite wholesome, if administered, internally like chicken soup, not topically like a stupid poultice. Uh, and so this is a poem you kind of have to look at. Uh, it is written in one big block of text with no spaces. Uh, I believe it's 14 characters across, maybe, maybe 14 down as well. I didn't actually count, but it looks, that looks about right. Uh, and if you look at George Starbuck's work, it's all kind of like that, where it's, it's all playing with, with, with formatting, uh, which I'm really into, like as, as just a, as a thing to be obsessed with. It's pretty neat. Just looking at like it, it is very cool how like and man, I'm I'm describing this as such a surface level. It's just every line is exactly the same number of characters long. It's uh I know, right? It, it's such a basic thing, but it 
It just looks cool. Yeah. I also like that it manages to to end with like a word termination at the end of every line. Like none of these are cut in half. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean that's poetry. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's a normal poetry thing to like have every line be the same length, but this is a very literal have every line be the same length, you know? Right, right. Length, like letter wise as opposed to syllable wise. Right, or stress wise or whatever. Or stress wise, yeah. In, in a more timed language, it is normal for uh, the, uh, the, the literal length of the words to be the same every time. Oh, so can either of you tell me whether I pronounced pelagic correctly? You did. All right, let's, let's pull it up. Awesome. On- Let's pull it up on which. Yeah, yeah. Who who knows their IPA? Oh uh, yeah, it's Pelagic. Great. I feel very very accomplished. It's pretty hard to find this poem. I originally found it um, in a tweet. Actually, I think it was linked to me on the Topic Lords Discord in a tweet. Uh, and then the tweet got deleted. And so then I was like, I have to track this thing down. And if you search for George Starbuck Star- Last Straw, you will find dozens of like articles about star how starbucks doesn't have straws anymore (laughs) we're looking for only one starbucks though right there's also a handwritten version of this uh in in images at the bottom of the page and i don't know if this was supposed to be like the original version but like it does not hit at all the same when the letters are all different lengths it's not it's not in a monospaced font yeah it it definitely works better in monospaced I feel like I would look at this poem and like, and just not get it, not get the conceit. Mm-hmm. Like you're missing I, like the meter of the poem. Well, right. No, the the meter is still there. Like I'm going to read it again, except I'm not going to pronounce it the way you did. Okay. All right. I have no time for banter, sir. I am an ancient mariner. My ship went down. I caused its loss. They tied me to an albatross. It is a big pelagic bird, quite wholesome if administered internally like chicken soup. Not topically like a stupid poultice. So it has. Oh yeah. So like no, it, it has okay. meter. It's, got, it's just it's just written with word choice so that you can print it this way, right? Okay. So I interpreted like so I, like I I noticed there were I noticed the meter you were talking about and deliberately read it as written out. Yeah. Um. Uh. And I do think like it's de- definitely intentional that they're both there. Yeah. Yeah. That's the point of the right, poem. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Pretty cool. But I still I still think that like. If you look at the handwritten version, like, well, so first of all, it's, it's harder to see the the letter wise meter, and it also makes it even less clear why, like, why not just put the more traditional syllable stress meter? Like, why not just put that as as you would normally write it? I kind of like the written out version a lot more because I hate monospace fonts. Oh sure, I think they're just ugly. So like, I I understand that you need to do them in order to show the like frivolity of the of the line lengths you know which is like it's like a cool word puzzle exercise that the writer did but i think the poem stands up well enough even without the um the monospace particularly since i guess looking at this it seems like it's just like a joke poem about the rhyme of the ancient mariner so it's uh intelligible that way as well right yeah Yeah. did poultices come up in a lot in the ancient rhyme of the ancient mariner I don't remember anything about it except the albatross and uh That's also what I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh are you ready for another topic? Sure. Yeah. Uh Mitch, your topic is the gradual inflation of standard YouTube video length. I remember this. It used to be a thing where like if a video was ten minutes long, it was considered like a long video. 
like YouTube didn't used to allow videos to be very long, right? There, there was like a maximum yeah, I think length the, for a video. The limit was 10 minutes, as I recall. And like, I think if you were a good user, they'd up your limit to 15. Yeah. Like there, there was a period of time on YouTube where videos had a hard limit for how long they could be. And videos that approached that limit or exceeded it were considered like, yeah, that, that's a long video. That's a video that uh, you got to sit down and make time to watch. If you want to watch a 12 minute video, that's a that's something you need to plan for, uh, which is really weird in retrospect when you look at how long long videos are now where the, there's this idea of like, yeah, it's normal to make a three hour video essay, which is right. weird, I think. How did that happen? Yeah, I'm just sitting here making feature films by myself. <laughs> yeah. How, how did that happen? That's my that's my open question. How, how did videos get so much longer? I well, I feel like you would have you would know better than either of us, but my guess would be that YouTube heavily incentivizes people watching videos for a long time. Like like they want to maximize hours watched. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely is partially algorithm where that that's doing it. Where you, you you're like like, like I, it, it so is. So hang, hang on, I want to I want to camp out on your pronunciation of algorithm. Where uh, algorithm? It's al hyphen gorithm. It's an Arabic word. It's uh. Well, the, the implication is that it Al Gore invented the algorithm. Oh, technically, uh, Al Gore was named after algorithms, not the other way around. Uh, his <laughs> oh, dad. I didn't, I didn't know that. Uh, his dad was also named Al Gore, and his grandfather was also also named Al Gore. And if you go back far enough, it actually goes back to the original algorithm, which who, who is the inventor of algorithms. Wow, that's partially false. But I won't tell you which part is false. You're going to have to look that up on your own. Uh, find find out in the show notes. Wh- which part of that story is wrong? Uh, go go on with your original thought before I rudely interrupted you. <laughs> but yeah, people are trying to to appease algorithm, uh, which uh, it, by by making longer videos because that's what's being incentivized. Uh, which, but 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 on the other hand, it's also people who are like. Like, like people who are making high effort things who are like who care more about just making good videos than it being popular right like there is a, there is still a space on YouTube for that sort of thing and even there like it's something where someone someone making a good 20 minute video a 20 minute video is considered short now where someone someone making a good 20 minute video is like yeah that's me not caring about algorithm and, and looking at this as something where we're uh yeah, just just making something that it, we want to be good rather than trying to make it take off or, or something. But 20 minutes used to be that's that's twice as long as videos used to be allowed to 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 be. Uh, and, and now that's just considered to be a short video that you make for fun, I guess. Yeah. Well, if you're talking about people doing like hobby work, then another possibility is that I mean, if, if you want to get a bunch of information across, if you're like writing an essay and trying to be convincing about something or even just informative, you're going to want to include a bunch of information. And if you know you were getting this published somewhere, or like if you were going to send it out to movie theaters, you would have an editor and they would say like, you know what, like 40% of this could go and it would be about as good. But it's really hard to edit yourself. It's really hard to like, psychologically to like, uh, take a bunch of things you've written and say like, yeah, I'm just going to cut a bunch of these out because they're not as good as the rest of it. And especially if there's no like cultural, like people apparently value and and find value in 
extremely long videos, there's no cultural pressure to make your videos shorter. Right. There's 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 no incentive to trim out the the the, the fat necessarily of being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do do I really need this third introduction paragraph here? Oh, well, yeah, sure. Let's keep it. Yeah. I don't understand when people are watching these videos. I can't work if I'm hearing audio that contains human speech, right? Like in a language that I understand, it sort of shortcuts my like composition process. I cannot like finish writing sentences if I'm listening to even to words being sung in a song, you know? Yeah, that that, that is so true. I can't do background videos at all. Um, so I don't have time to watch these things. I I have never gotten on the trend of people preferring to get their content online in videos. And if I go to like a website that has something that I want to see on it, and then I see that the page content is a video, I just simply don't engage with it. I'm just like, oh, not for me then. And I just don't watch it because I don't have time, right? Like I, I don't mm-hmm. have even 10 minutes mostly to sit down and watch a video, right? Um, unless I'm like recreating at the end of the day. And then I have like a whole stack of other things to compete with my time, you know? So I'm not, I'm not the kind of person who's like running three hour long uh, homemade mini documentaries on YouTube in the background. And I really don't understand who is like, I, I can't imagine their life. Like, what are they doing? Are they like trying to talk to their friends on discord while also watching a documentary? Are they playing like, <laughs> I, I think it, a lot of it is just the kind of work they're doing. Like if you're, for example, people who draw and that's their thing. Uh, true. You could totally draw while listening to like the, that's an entirely separate part of the brain. Yeah. A lot of people like playing video games, like mindless video games while listening to things. I can do that, but I can't watch something and play a video game, right? So it's got to yeah. be the videos, I suppose, that have no visual content in them at all. Or just less important visual content, yeah. Yeah. Whenever I like decide there's a three-hour video that I want to watch, right? It is something where I need to clear an afternoon to do, yeah. like, right? Like I need to set yeah. aside time to go watch it. I happen to have a job where I'm able to just do that. Most people can't, but but like it, it is. It's an all afternoon affair sitting down and watching like the new the new episode of the iCarly review miniseries, and and like it's not like it, 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 it's 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 a substantial amount of time to sit down and watch all this stuff. Even if you're like one one thing I know a lot of people like to watch videos at like double speed which I've never been into. Like, I, I don't... Some people have an appeal that I I've have the perspective of, like, the pace the video was uploaded at is probably the best pace to watch it in. If it was intended to watch it at twice the speed, they would have talked faster. But, like, uh, so so I, I do actually, like, have sit, you know, set aside a day when I have a few hours to spare to sit down and actually watch the whole thing. Yeah. If I'm watching a movie... Like a two-hour movie, I need to block out two hours for that because watching a movie like 10 minutes at a time feels bad. You know, it feels like you're doing it wrong. But like I'll totally watch a two-hour YouTube video essay 10 minutes at a time. Like just I'll grab 10 minutes here, you know, two hours later, I'll grab another 10 minutes, watch it over the course of a week. I frequently watch movies in 30-minute chunks. Yeah. Is that and, – and you feel like you're – well – I, when I do that, I feel like I have a harder time following, keeping up with the story. I, I don't feel that very much, but I, I started doing it during the pandemic because I was already sitting still for so long that sitting down for two hours straight to watch a, a movie felt inc- less and less different from the sitting down I was doing four feet away at my computer to work, you know? 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. That is fair. Watch, watch movies on the treadmill. Well, more like you gotta do a variety of things so that you don't go completely stir-crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. So I'm trying to think of like, I have the same problem you're talking about where like, I have a hard time concentrating while listening to, to people talk, and yet I still do it, and I just multitask poorly. Oh, no. And that's just, <laughs> that's yeah, that just is, how I live my life. Yeah, I do that constantly. Like, it, I'll I'll have like a, like, you know, I'll, I'll watch like a vibe from some Twitch streamer, and I'll be like, yeah, I'll just leave that running in the background while I'm doing other stuff. I'm not doing yeah. other stuff. I'm listening to this Twitch stream and then sitting there not doing the thing that I'm doing while... It's bad. It's a bad thing to be doing, but I do it all the time anyway. My work has like a, a, a big variety of things that I do moment to moment. Like, and some of them are compatible with like listening to a podcast or whatnot. So what that means is that I'll be listening to a podcast and I'm trying to do, and like, I don't even realize I slipped into this other mode where I need to actually concentrate. And then like, I'll just be like, why am I not getting anything done? Oh, I need to switch to like instrumental music now. Yeah. And then there's also the danger of like sometimes I'll put something on in the background and it, you want it to you want to ride the line of like you want it to be entertaining enough to keep you from being bored but not so entertaining that it keeps your attention. Right. And right. so <laughs> uh I find myself in that case a lot of the time I will listen to I will like watch movies that I've already watched a lot. It, it because it it kind of fits in those grooves without like me being getting getting all tense and wondering what's going to happen next. I think that's the idea behind me watching like a VOD of a Twitch stream of a game I've already played where it's like, there's not anything new or exciting that may or may not happen. There's just occasionally a joke will, will happen. Minimum attention that could be paid to anything. And there are some types of work where you can multitask. Most types of work you cannot. And so it's a very dangerous strategy to be using. Yeah. And that's all the time we have for Topic Lords. Wow. Mitch, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, I'm Jan Measley on YouTube, lowercase Jan, capital Measley. Uh, if you Google W, I'm one of the top results, which is one of my proudest achievements. <laughs> we, we, we've already spent some time talking about seximal.net, which is another place where I am. But yeah, that, 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 that's, that's where you can find me. And Laura, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, um, if you want to go to Elon's house, you can find me at L. Mache on Twitter. So we'll see how long that lasts. How do you figure out who to follow on co-host? Oh, yeah, that was what I was going to say. Or you can find me on co-host. Uh, for co-host, you really got to look at tags. You got to look up tags that you're interested in. Oh. If you want to find your friends who are already on co-host, you got to ask them what their name is or look up all of their handles that you know. Right. Uh, I know that people are used to importing contacts from other places, but... Uh, co-host is small enough that I figure if the people that you care about are already there, then you can go and find them. The uh, design of the site is set up to prevent things from having the same kind of like numbers-based virality or like context escape that happens on Twitter. So it is harder to find stuff. But I've grown to yeah, I've grown to quite like that. Uh, I think a lot of the new users who joined over the last couple weeks don't understand how much they have to tag things if they want people to find it. Um, but, you know, so maybe you don't want everybody to find your stuff. So you got that option there. Yeah. That, okay. That's good to know. That, that's that's a pretty different paradigm. I'm, mm. I'm growing to really like it. I think it's a very chill place. Uh, I like that I get to see longer things there that are not like long, long, like they're not as long as like 
well, most most of the like nice longer posts I've found are not as long as like a long article. They're just long enough for me to read for like three or four minutes and be like, oh, interesting, which I quite I I, I quite like that. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much for being on. Thanks for having us. Yeah, this was a good time. Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. This episode was edited by Esper Quinn, who can also edit your episode if you contact them on Twitter. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it, or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com, and you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode!